This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to all of our listeners. This is part two of a three-part series where we're talking to our team leaders about how they coach their teams as part of the larger family church team. I'm here today with Leslie Bennett, our communications director, and joining us in the studio today is Aaron Philippone. Aaron is the campus pastor of Family Church in Palm Beach Gardens and serves as a player coach for our other campus pastors and directors. Aaron, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hey, Leslie, Jimmy, glad to be with you this morning. Yeah, so I guess the best part about me is I'm married to Amanda. I agree. We've got four children. And I've been on staff here at Family Church for eight years, and so I get to serve as our Gardens Campus Pastor. And then I also get to coach our other campus pastors as well. And Aaron, talk, you know, you and I have known each other a long time. Tell our listeners how you and I got connected. Yeah, I've known you. Gosh, I guess when I met you, you had hair. So it's been a long, a long <laughs> it's been time. been a while. And uh, when I was Those 18 were the years good days. old. Yeah, they were. When I was 18, you were 28, and uh, you were my youth pastor. So we connected, uh, gosh, I guess when I was a teenager in your youth mm-hmm. group. And so we've known each other for a long time. Yep. And when Aaron came on staff, he was my daughter's pastor, youth pastor. That's right. So yep. we have a whole youth pastor That's circle right. happening yeah. here. He wasn't my youth pastor. <laughs> right. And talk about your kids just a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. Caleb, our oldest, is 10. And uh, he loves everything football right now. I love that about that kid. Yep. Jimmy and I have coached him before. Caleb, Man. when he gets dressed for his games or practices or in the yard, he swags out <laughs> every time. He looks the part, that's for he sure. He looks like it. I'm t- he's got sleeves and gloves and yeah, socks and right. towels. I mean, the guy looks amazing. He does. Isaac is our nine-year-old. He loves anything with batteries. He's into electronics. <laughs> and uh, then we have good. Grace, our daughter. She's six. And then uh, about a year ago this time, we finalized an adoption for our son, Eli. Yeah, so that's awesome. And it's a joy, Aaron, to have you and Amanda and your whole family on our team. And of course, our long personal history and and just close friendship makes working together all the more fun and all the more uh, rewarding. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, Leslie, our campus pastors and directors are really the tip of the spear for us at Family Church. If these men and women don't succeed in their roles, then our whole strategy just isn't going to work. I mean, these are the ones, people like Aaron and his team, they are the ones who are uh, the neighborhood church in the neighborhoods all across South Florida. We like to say that neighborhood church needs a neighborhood pastor and a neighborhood building and a neighborhood group of people gathering to be the church in here, then scattering throughout the neighborhood to be the church out there. And that's our strategy for reaching neighborhoods. People like Aaron and the people on Aaron's team are the ones that contextualize our campuses, customize our campuses for each neighborhood to reach the people there. That's right. We're going to talk about this more in some future podcasts. We're always telling our listeners that we haven't figured it all out. So just in the last year or so, we've decided that we're going to make our campus pastors and directors the tip of the spear when it comes to our organization. And as we've done that, we've decided to look at you all as quote-unquote customers. So how can we better resource our campus pastors and directors and the people on their team to help them do what they do to help you succeed in reaching people in each one of our neighborhoods? So Aaron, what are some of the areas that we hold our campus pastors and directors accountable for? 
Sure. One of the things that makes our team so successful and so dynamic is we've got a team of thoroughbreds. I mean, these people do not need bosses or managers. They are hardworking self-starters. But when we think about our campus pastors, the categories that we look at are people, logistics, and quality control. And so what we mean by that is when you're a pastor, when you're working on a church staff, you can easily get caught up in the minutia of all the other stuff that has to happen in order to run a church. But we want to make sure that our campus pastors keep their eyes on the prize, which is people. And so very regularly, we have systems and structures that help us learn how to shepherd people and help them take spiritual steps. And we're working through that on a regular basis. Many times our Campus pastors have challenges with specific people, volunteers or new believers or unbelievers. And so uh, we're working through what it takes to help people grow in their relationship with the Lord. We also look at logistics. Okay, so the campus pastor is the one who has boots on the ground. They're looking at everything at their campus and making sure that the systems are in place and that the services flow well and that they're staying on track and on time. And so the campus pastor is tasked with quality control. If there is uh, something that doesn't look right, if there's trash on the ground, if the sign doesn't look sharp, if there's something that's just not going well, well, the campus pastor needs to take notice of that and figure out what it's going to take to make their campus grow and succeed. If they don't feel the ownness to make their campus grow and make it successful, no one else is going to feel that for them. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I really like you in this role, Aaron. So Aaron is the team leader for our campus pastors and directors. So I like to say, you know, people say, well, so is Aaron my boss? Well, he's not exactly your boss. I would say he's more like the quarterback on the team. So he's the one on the field. He's helping to call the huddle. He's helping to call the plays. He's helping to, if there's an audible that needs to be called, he's managing the clock. So Aaron on the field is the leader, and we need everybody on his team to respond to him as the leader. Now, in our kind of, this kind of metaphor, I guess I'm the head coach, so I'm the one ultimately saying, yeah, let's run this play or that play. But when it comes to the field, I want them responding to Aaron as their team leader. And, you know, we haven't always done it this way. We used to have like an executive staff and an executive team, and then everybody responded to that team. And I got some really good advice from a friend of mine. He attends our church, a guy named Jack Welch, who's a business leader. Um, he's written a lot of books about business and a lot of people ask his advice. And Jack said, listen, in your scheme at Family Church, you need to make the campus pastors the kings. That was his term. And I know exactly what he means by that. He's just saying, if these are the guys, if each campus pastor or director grows his or her campus, then this whole thing works. If one of these campus directors or campus pastors fails, then the whole thing fails. The reason that all this infrastructure exists is so that the people at each campus can make more and better disciples for Jesus on their campus. If that's not happening, this isn't working. So Aaron, you are a player coach, and I think one of the values that you bring to our team is you sit around your meeting with your pastors and directors you're coaching them to do what you have to do that week yeah, because right. you're not some guy from central services somewhere parachuting in as some mm-hmm. consultant giving orders. Like you have to have first connection every month. You have to make sure there's greeters at every door. You have to make sure the signs are sharp. Mm-hmm. And I think that's added an element to our team 
uh, that we've never had before, and it's made it so much more effective. And Leslie, you get to watch a lot of this. Talk about some of the things you think Aaron does as a good coach. I'm going to ask Aaron some questions. What do you observe well, about I him mean, as he does that? One of the that? things when Aaron talks about people and campus pastors and directors being in charge of people and shepherding people, I would say that, Aaron, you've done a really great job of that at the Gardens campus. You actually are the person, I don't know that you developed the shepherding, you did develop the shepherding tracker that we currently use, I think, at all of our campuses. Um, so that's a tool that you put in place that you found success using at the Gardens campus, and now you're helping the other people use that. So I don't know if we've talked about that on the podcast before, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about what that shepherding tracker yeah, looks like. Sure. So it's not rocket science, but every campus and every campus pastor needs to have a, a way to track people, right? We're in the people business and we want to make sure they're taking spiritual steps. And so we just put all their names on a list and we try to make sure that we know that everyone's a believer in Christ, that they've been baptized, that they've joined the church, that they've been to the new members class that they're serving, that they're in a group. And we, we've developed a way of just making sure that that we're seeing movement in the life of people. If we have really nice buildings and really good services, but yet we're not seeing movement in the life of people, then we've not done our job as shepherds. And so that's something that we're constantly looking at as shepherds. That sounds easy, but it's not easy. So as you do that process, you come up against challenges. So maybe you have to coach some of the other campus pastors and directors because you've encountered something in doing this process that you can help them. Like, do you have an example of some kinds of snags that sometimes you ha- run into that you need to coach sure. these people through? Yeah. Well, I mean, all of us face the challenge of time and mm-hmm. just trying to figure out how do we spend enough time doing enough things and what we're supposed to do to get our jobs done. And so managing you know, developing a sermon and recruiting volunteers and coaching your team and your staff is something that we're all working through. But even this morning, I was meeting with one of our campus pastors and he has a volunteer who is a head usher. And so he's interacting with a lot of people, but he's a little bit gruff. And so we're working through- (laughs) That grumpy head usher. Yeah. How do you transition someone who's just not in the right seat on the bus? And it's a lot easier to to cast vision for their future role than just dismiss them from their current role. And so we talked through that. One of the things that really helps us at Family Church is we're all learning best practices from one another. Okay, There's nothing new under the sun and we're all facing the same challenges. And so positioning our campus pastors at the tip of the spear gives us an opportunity to learn from one another mm-hmm. in terms of best practices. Yeah, Now, Aaron, a lot of our listeners are going to be sitting here and they're going, okay, wait a minute. I'm a pastor. I'm a part-time pastor. I'm a bivocational pastor. I'm a pastor at a small church. I've got, you know, two full-time staff members and a couple part-time people. You're talking about campus pastors and you're meeting. How is what you're learning about coaching your team? How can that help a pastor with a smaller church or a team of volunteers or whatever, what are some things you're learning about coaching that you think would transfer to churches of any size? Yeah, well, player coach works in any role. And so one of the things that I've learned is that I've got to meet with these guys regularly. So if I'm a pastor of a church with maybe a couple of part-time staff members or, or just a volunteer team, constant contact is crucial. And so setting up intentional opportunities to connect with your key volunteers or your key staff members and making sure that they're understanding the vision and that you're all in lockstep agreement together as you're moving the ball down the field is, is important. Yeah. And you do that so well. Aaron and I both work for a guy named Kevin Ezel, who's the president of the North American Mission Board now. And Kevin had a phrase for this. He called it spilling Cracker Barrel syrup because yeah. Cracker Barrel is his favorite restaurant. <laughs> and so we don't really go to Cracker Barrel that often because we only have one, you know, a couple of them in Palm Beach County. But 
the idea is right is you have to spill a lot of cracker barrel syrup to build the right kind of relational equity and dynamic to have the kind of conversations you have to have to do the coaching that you have to do. And I think you do that so well. Talk to us a little bit about your strategy for that. Like, how do you decide who to meet with and how many times to meet with them and how do you manage that? Sure. We have a lot of campus pastors and directors, but then also I'm a campus pastor. So I've got key people that I'm meeting with that are volunteers at our campus. And so I have a few people that I'll regularly schedule in for maybe a once a quarter meeting or a once a month meeting, depending on what's going on. If they're new to our team, I'm going to get with them at least every other week just to help them get into the rhythm of navigating through family church. And that's not new people to the church. That's new key high-level volunteers that's or right. staff members. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to schedule you know, One of the things that Kevin Ezel used to also say is he had an eight-day-a-week theory that if you'll begin your day every day at 6 a.m. at Cracker Barrel, <laughs> uh, you add two hours a day to your work week, which will then give you an eight-day uh, work week. And so that has allowed me to do more. I've got, you know, four kids. And so for me, with my rhythm and my schedule, I just like to start my day earlier. I like to have early morning breakfast appointment, and it allows me to meet with more people and have more contact. Mm -hmm. All right. So what are some things that you are learning about coaching? Because you've only been in this role. You've been coaching people, you know, all of your life. But in this role, what are some new things that you've learned? Well, obviously, one thing I'm learning is to keep the posture of a student. We're learning some great things from our campus pastors, and they're very innovative and they're entrepreneurial. And so whether they're leading a campus of 100 or a campus of 1,000, uh, there's a lot that I can learn from any of our campus pastors. And so I try to, when I'm meeting with them, I'm not just meeting with them to boss them around. I'm, in, I'm uh, genuinely wanting to learn from them and what they're learning. And so I constantly try to keep the posture of a student. Another thing I'm learning is just the value of relationships. And so constantly trying to help our staff members, our campus pastors, our key leaders, learning what's going on in their family, what's going on with their children, and how I can be a better coach for for them. So those are some of the things that I'm learning right now. I think I learned that from you, actually, Aaron, being a part of the youth ministry, building a relational bridge that can bear the truth that yeah. you want to bring into somebody's life. Right. You guys do that with students, but it's really true in all of life. You know, you can't really speak into someone's life if you don't have that relationship with them. So the importance of just time, really spending the time and making the time, which is a challenge because like you said, you're super busy, but if you have to make those relationships a priority. And like you said, Jimmy, anybody can do it. Even if they're not on your team, you can press into other people in your community, other pastors in the community that are doing what you're doing to learn those best practices, to get new ideas when I meet with our campus pastors, I always have a few things that I want to talk about, mm -hmm. but I typically let them set the agenda. I mean, they have things that they're thinking about that they're cranking on, and I want to hear what's going on in their hearts. Mm -hmm. All right. So if I was listening to this as one of our listeners, again, it's easy for somebody to look at family church and say, well, you guys have a big church. You have all these staff members and all this money and all these buildings. But honestly, the things that Aaron is talking about, Leslie, really do transfer building relationships intentionally developing a schedule, putting it down on paper once a week, once a month, once a quarter. I need to meet with these people. Uh, and you've got to be selective because you can't meet with everybody. Mm -hmm. You've got to choose who are the most strategic people that I can build relationships with that I need to in order to coach them to help them and our entire organization be better. And I also think taking the learner's posture, Aaron, is so crucial because you're right. Even if we're meeting with volunteers, say, hey, 
what are you thinking about what's going on at Family Church? I had breakfast with a guy earlier this morning as well as a key leader in our church and just said, hey, tell me some things that you're learning at Family Church or what are some things that you're seeing about our organization that are working really well? What are some things that for you and your family you wish we would were doing differently? How could we serve your family better? Because here's what I'm learning. If, if we have a young family with young kids and they're totally bought into what we're doing, Okay, the things that they like, there are other families who will like that. Yeah. The things that they have a problem with, they're not the only ones. Right. They're just the only ones who care enough to tell us. Yeah. And so I think taking a learner's posture, even as a coach mm-hmm. in a collaborative environment, is really, really vital. Now, one thing I'd like to ask both of you, uh, Leslie and Aaron, talk about how you see us operating cross-functionally with other teams. Because listen, you lead a really important team, the communications team in our organization. And Aaron, you lead the campus pastors. How do we work cross-functionally with our other teams? One thing that I do, what we haven't talked about, is that we do have a Monday team leaders meeting where we get the team leaders together and we talk through some things so that we all stay on the same page. And I feel like that's a cross-functional area that I help facilitate, really, is just let's get in the room, let's all be in the same room together. So we have network resources, campus pastors and directors, the Matrix team, and we talked with Scott just a little last week on the podcast, and so we talked about how that area, the network resources area trying to support and undergird the campus pastors, and really the same with the Matrix team and our new paradigm of having the campus pastors at the tip of the spear. So I know sometimes we have discussions in our meetings, Aaron, where the campus pastor or director might say, well, actually, you know, the IT people did this, didn't really work so well for me, or the communications people did that, it didn't work so well for me. So you kind of have to coach them up on how we interact across our teams, too. Yeah, I'd say a few ways that we're working together cross-functionally. One is we have a high level of trust in one another. And so all of this is built on the back of a high level of trust and strong relationships. So we work really, really hard at that. We're together a lot through meetings, through retreats, through constant interaction. I mean, Jimmy, you and I live in the same neighborhood, so like yeah. we're, we're together a Our lot. Our kids are at each other's houses every yeah, day. Yeah, all so. the time. So I mean, yeah. all of this is built on high levels of relationship and trust. And then the other thing is we own it all. Okay. So that's not just the student ministries camp. That's my camp. That's not just the kids ministry event. That's my event. And we can think that way about every area of our church. That's not just their IT department. That's my IT department. All of that really helps us to love one another through it and to work better together as we're growing our organization. And I think the freedom of having that conversation, which we allow to happen, Jimmy, you facilitate that really well, and letting people know when they offer that feedback that that's great. We appreciate that you brought that up. You brought it to our attention. We want to do something about it. It helps people feel heard. You know, people just sometimes they just want to be heard and feel like somebody is listening to them, helps them get through it. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think to kind of wrap all this up and sum it up, I would just say coaching requires relationships. I think a lot of coaching is better done by people who are doing the task. Mm -hmm. Okay, frankly, if I coach the campus pastors, can I coach them? Yeah, from time to time on certain things. But the truth is, because I'm not hands-on running a campus like that, some of what I say is actually kind of like yesterday's news. Mm -hmm. Like, nobody cares what you used to do when. And like, can I coach the youth pastors? Yeah, I was a youth pastor a long time, but I haven't been a youth pastor in 10 years. So nobody cares. Mm -hmm. And so just having people who are actually doing the job right now, 
you know, they've got the edge. Their skills are at a fine point in this area. And I think having those people do the coaching, especially in a church environment, is so powerful. And then, Aaron, I love what you said about owning all of it. That's what cross-functionality is all about. It's so easy. We learned a phrase from a guy named Clayton Fitzhugh in our church. He talks about taking the problem and throwing it over the fence. <laughs> it's so easy in a church of any size with volunteers, paid staff, part-time. There's a problem with our student ministry messed to some part of the building up. Well, let's just take that problem and heave it over the fence into the student pastor or the student volunteer's lap and make it their problem and blame them. Or we can say, that's our youth group. This is our building. How are we all going to come together and let's address it and let's make it better? And I think that's such a vital part of how we coach and how we collaborate here at Family Church. Hey, look, this is all a part of the Family Church culture. It's how we organize and interact with each other to create this culture of love and friendship and collaboration. We don't have it all figured out, but we are figuring it out and We have a lot of fun when we do it because we get to do it together. We'd love for you to come join us at our Sharper Conference this coming March the 7th so that we can learn from you and your team as well. We want to take a learner's posture with you. So get online, register today at sharperconference.com, and then join us on the podcast next week as we finish up this series on coaching, especially talking about player coaches here with Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.